Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 436 on Tuesday, the 9th of November, 2021. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we'll be shocked at some recalls. We question if we have found the most Alan new car yet. And we'll be seeing how you yes. properly pay homage to a 50-year-old win. But first, we go into, before Alan splutters anymore, into follow-up. And this is to do with Envision, who is working with Renault on their Renault-lution. I apologise, this is that's the official <laughs> term, it has nothing to do with me. <sighs> oh, dear me. But uh, Envision are a Chinese company that are coming in to uh, help partner with the battery factory for Renault's big plan on their northern France um, site. Now, this battery factory was supposed to be producing uh, 43 gigawatts per hour by the end of the decade. However, after they've been on site and things have been surveyed and stuff's been looked into, they've had to scale that back to 30 gigawatts uh, per hour. Um, because they were originally going to be knocking down, destroying, ripping up a wooded stroke forest area on the site, which did no one think that's not a good look for someone who's for a company and idea that's talking about recycling and looking after the planet? <laughs> it works for a certain American company building a plant in the Berlin area vicinity yes as in uh easy jets version of the berlin area yeah <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> they, they are coming across a couple of stumbling blocks on that but uh, but we're not covering that one here now what's turned out as well is not only is the wooded area a location of wildlife habitat who knew but also it sounds Shock. like the actual ground and the makeup of the ground and all that sort of stuff and the topography made it quite tricky and expensive to do too so even if they got their environmental passes to, you know, rip up a wood, it's like mm -hmm. just mad. So it's still happening. It's just slightly scaled back because they're, they're going to be doing it on now in a parking area, I think it is. Worth mentioning that Renault was extending the refactory at one of its Spanish plants. Can't remember the, the name of it, but they were they were going to build a refactory there as well i can't remember which one it was i think it was outside madrid possibly i still stand by thinking that this is a brilliant idea to try mm -hmm. and control the whole life cycle as much as possible yes i agree yeah totally totally in agreement with that i think it's a great idea right do you want to take us to the new news yes it is of course early enough in the month that it is the smmt new car registration figures and obviously, it's the registration figures for October. 106,265 new cars were registered in October. That is a fall of 24.6% against last year. Dum, dum, dum. Mm. It makes it the weakest uh, October since 1991 as well. Chip shortages, tax rises to an extent, but mostly chip shortages mean that it's made a significant impact in the ability for that just for there to be vehicles to register yeah i mean i drive past some of the some of the the dealerships around here and the four courts are practically deserted the other week i was in perth in scotland for those of you who know that area and i'm no i'm talking, talking to a very small percentage of our <laughs> uh, of, of our listenership now then dunkeld road in perth is pretty much lined with car dealerships it was scotland's motor mile and they're 
there's practically nothing parked outside at the minute. Well, there's there's a town local to me that uh, on the road into it, there's quite a few dealers. And mm. I'm noticing an awful lot of non-manufacturers' vehicles in the forecourt out the front, almost as though they've got something to show they've got the, they've got something there. Yeah, that's basically it. It's like, there's a trade in, quick. Yeah. Fact, spruce it up and stick it out the front. Uh, what about the numbers? Diesel and mild hybrid diesel are taking a 10.8% market share now. Petrol, mild hybrid petrol are taking a 57, almost 58% share with Bevs, Fevs and Hevs make up the remaining 30 odd percent. Uh, I think if my, if my mental live maths are correct. So diesel and mild hybrid diesel down 66% and 26.5% respectively. Battery electric vehicles up 73%. Best sellers in the top 10 list. Uh, let's start in at number 10. When you queue up the sign and swinging symbol, it's the Hyundai Tucson 1849. And that tallies with the fact that I've started seeing them everywhere. I am seeing a lot of them, I was about to say as well. Yeah. Number nine, Peugeot 2008. Number eight, the Mercedes-Benz A-Class. Number seven, the Volvo XC40, which is becoming a little bit of a perennial up there. Mm. Number six is the Kia Nero. Five is the Vauxhall Corsa with 2,567 registrations. Fourth is the Ford Focus, with 2,735 registrations. Third is the Nissan Qashqai, which used to be a staple of the top 10 list, but hasn't been for quite a while. Mm. Just under the 3,000 there. Second is Mini, Ooh. with 3,133. And the top was the Volkswagen Polo, with 3,167. Okay, Rich Gooding, pop the champagne. Yeah. <laughs> No Fiesta in that list. One Ford. How long one Ford, has it been gee, one Ford, since we've yeah. mentioned just one Ford? I don't. I can't. Remember. I don't think we've ever had just one Ford. I don't. I don't think so. No, no, no. Because there's either been a Fiesta or a, a Puma mm. uh, in there. Uh, speaking of which, year to date, by the way, because it's interesting and an unusual mix. Tenth is the Yaris, third's the three series, eighth is the Kashkai, seventh is the Sportage, sixth is the aforementioned Puma, fifth is the aforementioned Ford Fiesta, fourth is the A Class, third the Polo, second the Golf, and number one is the Vauxhall Corsa. Comfortably number one. Comfortably Almost number one. Almost Fiesta esque right. in its comfort. Yeah, I mean, it's a good 8,000 ahead of the golf so that's uh 35,183 registrations for the Corsa and 27,754 for the golf mm -hmm. do you want to look at the spreadsheet of doom it is quite doomy yes it's less doomy than last month thankfully, yeah, it's, le it's less doomy than last month but so i'll run through those that have had a drop of more than 15 percent uh, otherwise we brace yourselves folks we will be mentioning virtually everybody so uh, Abarth is down nearly 50%, Audi down 40%, Bentley down 19%. That's 92 cars as opposed to 114. So this is where we have to do the mix of numbers against percentages because some of them sound a bit more outrageous than others. BMW is down 28%, DS down 40, nearly 49%, Fiat 18%. Ford, now this is quite a big number, 47%. So that last year was 12,946. This year, 6,829. Just 
don't have the cars to register. Nope. Nope, they don't. Honda down 23%, Jaguar down 66%, but that ties in with what we were discussing last week. They are a manufacturer that is heavily hammered by the lack of chips. Jeep down 40%, Land Rover down 66%. Mirroring See it. Jaguar. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Lexus 20, uh, nearly 30%. Mercedes-Benz, 37%. Again, that's quite a chunky number because it was 10,888 last year, 6,856 this year. Then we have Renault at 31%, Seat at 30%, Skoda at 60%. Wow, ouch. Mm. Toyota down at 355 Vauxhall 26, Volkswagen 24, Volvo 18.6, and then other imports down 72%. Mm. Do you want to cheer us up a bit, Alan? So positives, uh, I'll start at the top again. Alpine up 216.67%. In other words, 19 cars instead of six. Uh, Hyundai up 34, Kia up 22. Maserati up 76, MG up 23, Polestar up 217. That's 658 cars, which is no small, 20 odd a day, isn't it? Mm. Versus 207 last year. Porsche up 33, Sangyong up 74, and Subaru up 31%. Mm. If we haven't mentioned them, they are either slightly up or slightly down. Yeah. Worth mentioning there, it, it sort of ties with what I've thought and what I've been observing recently, is that if you do need a new car, then go for one of the vertically integrated companies. I know Toyota and Lexus are down a bit this month, but uh, you really want Toyota, Lexus, Hyundai, Kia, if you really need a new car. Yeah. Or Tesla, vertical integration throughout the supply chain. That's the big difference. And speaking of Tesla, Andrew, that takes us to our next story. These are two weeks of Tesla stories in a row. I know. Unfortunately, it's two weeks of not good stories, though, I'm afraid. Tesla has done an over-the-air recall, update, whatever Tesla deciding to discuss or mention is this because they have to do it in their own way. But there's nearly 12,000 vehicles sold since 2017 that are getting this over-the-air uh, safety recall because there is a communication error between two of the chips if you bring your vehicle up from either sentry mode or, or summon standby mode now if you've had your car in either of those and then you wake it up mm -hmm. there is a bit of software between some two chips in their computing system that don't communicate with each other which then means the forward collision warning system is quite confused and may decide that there is going to be an accident when there isn't and apply the automated emergency braking when you don't want it to. Brilliant. Now, there is a reason we should all, particularly if we're in the motoring press, be having a real pop about this because that is an incredibly basic mm -hmm. thing that it should be woke that would happen with the car that is that is a routine thing that would happen with the car that is not an outlier and to have released software that does that is utterly unacceptable utterly yes. unacceptable on the roads yes it's worth mentioning these are actually properly subject to a safety recall rather than just a sort of under the door 
oh, look, we're just updating it over the air again. It's not a product update. It's not a technical, it's not a, a, a technical bulletin. Mm. It is a proper recall. So that, by the way, is a step in the right direction. Yes. Uh, in that it is being treated that way, uh, NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration in the US, stepping in there. So let's see what happens. Things have had to recall back. Let's hope this is a wake-up call and that things are done better in the future. Yes. Do you want to take us to Mercedes now while I go and calm down in the corner? Well, speaking of recall, <laughs> re recall-tastic, yeah, go stick your head in the bowl of ice or something. <laughs> uh, recall-tastic, uh, this time it's the Mercedes-Benz EQC. So that is the, for those of you who need, uh, need help decoding this, because sometimes I do, it is the electric midsize SUV from Mercedes. It turns out that water could damage the power steering system in more than 19,000 of them. So funny enough, they're being recalled. They're the ones built between the 11th of December 2019 and the 18th of May 2020. 3,073 of those were sold in Germany, it says. Yeah, we're not sure how many affected are affected in Britain, but I would presume, and I'm hoping I'm right here, but I think I am, that Mercedes will be furiously peddling in the background to contact all owners yeah this is a car that's just been subject to quite a few recalls about weak front front differential bolts improperly tightened airbag nuts non-compliant seat back locks and corroded battery housing so it seems to be having a little bit of a sticky start uh, hopefully that'll all be sorted out but it's better that manufacturers recall and go hang on a minute we've made a mistake yeah and fix stuff than not than try and, and sweep it under the under the carpet so uh, absolutely so yeah i'd rather see a few recalls against the model than many, many technical bulletins, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. And, and the thing is, if they're doing these recalls, the chances are that they won't make that same mistake in other vehicles or in the future. Exactly. There will be some significant lessons learned being 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 catalogued around yeah, the place. Because they can put pounds, dollars, euros against this going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's that's what matters. That's what matters. But not, not another Mercedes Benz fun challenge story. Yes, <laughs> they have been accused of using more defeat devices on diesel cars. So there's a German environmental group called the Deutsche Umwelt. Oh, I had it right in thingy. I was so impressed. Umwelthilfe. Umwelthilfe. Is what I think a it small, is. Small round of applause because I wouldn't have tried that. Or DUH, as I will now say. <laughs> they reckon that there is nitrous oxide emissions spiking by up to 500% during tests of a 2016 Mercedes E350D Blue Tech. Mm -hmm. um, the KBA said that they have. Uh, that they are aware of the eight defeat devices that the DUH say are being used. On these are one particular uh, diesel engine, the OM six four two diesels. So that will be across multiple, obviously multiple models, um, but they were not in, inadmissible. What that means is that they were deemed to be allowable by the KBA. A lot of this, uh, Daimler is saying, is to ensure that they have a long life, that they are not, uh, they do not fail prematurely, and things like this, but. There is a lot of kickoff about that. Well, the kickoff is that many are saying it's a loophole that's being exploited. Because mm. in this instance, 
it DUH a claim that the first of these kicks in after only 1% of the engine's life, which seems a little early to, for longevity. <laughs> does a little bit, doesn't it? Yes. But most of the class action claims in Germany have been thrown out so far to do with saying that there's defeat devices in Mercedes vehicles. We'll keep an eye on it. I'm not so sure. By that statement from the KBA, I'm not sure this is going to go any further. I don't think so. It does sound like this one's maybe a, a touch opportunistic and has been and has been shut down quite quite early on. Yeah, but I really don't like that loophole of oh, it's longevity. Yeah, that's a bit. That seems it seems an easy one to just fall back on. It does. That's easier than cold weather and high altitude. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to take us to a, a slightly more positive? Well, yes, here's, here's, here's an internal combustion engine, uh, which doesn't have need for any of these defeat devices. And it's really that JCB uh, has been awarded the Dewar Trophy by the RAC for its hydrogen-fueled engine. So this is not a hydrogen fuel cell. Uh, when we've driven when we've driven cars with, with hydrogen, and when we're talking about this, normally we're talking about hydrogen fuel cells. This is slightly different. This is a hydrogen internal combustion engine. Mm-hmm. So... Pistons, cylinders, all the stuff we're used to, just instead of petrol, it's hydrogen that is powering it. And JCB has has developed an engine called the ABH2, and it produces no CO2 emissions. It's very similar performance to its diesel max engine, which, by the way, is particularly efficient. Mm-hmm. It's a very good British-built, engineered, blah, blah, engine. It's great. The only thing you get out of out of its exhaust stack is is some steam and some water vapor. There is a tiny amount of nitrogen oxide, but it is less than the diesel, mm-hmm. uh, significantly less than the diesel, which is already their diesel engine is already incredibly good on that front as far as these things go. Yes. Yes, exactly. So so no, it's it's great. It's this is this is good news. Uh, but by the way, uh, no, especially for construction, for larger construction machines, if this if this is starting, and of course, uh, if it's a version of the three CX that it's in, three CX being the traditional JCB JCB that we think of, so then that's great, and it's a stepping stone for other site vehicles. So it's worth shipping in a container hydrogen plant, hydrogen fueling device if you've got a, a large construction project and you've got multiple vehicles all using it jcb no strangers to evs either they do an electric mini digger for use inside too and these kind of machines the other market for them is very much in the mining industries particularly underground Uh, well for the ev ones anyway Mm -hmm. um for the hydrogen ones i'm I'm not quite so sure now that i think about it uh, for a fraction of a second but again low emissions and sometimes low spark is important as well uh, when you're underground. Yeah, with the EVs as well in uh, mm. in urban areas where there's where there's large populations for the quietness, noise, noise, yep. noise. And then you put a pecker on the end, and it's going <laughs> yes. and completely ruining any of that. But yeah, for for noise and all sorts of stuff, if you're working in in built up areas, it's, yeah, uh, it's lots of clever, clever stuff in the construction industry uh, at the minute as well. Yeah, it's great. It's a great place to deploy it. It is. Excellent way. Uh, right. Okay, I'm going to take us on to another consultation from the government, hot on the heels of last week, us talking about it. And this one's... Consulted out. Uh, this one is to do with them 
proposing creating a road collision investigation branch, which is to really investigate properly, not properly because that implies that we aren't properly, but to investigate road incidents and also to sort of learn the lessons. It's a bit like the, whichever one of the American ones is it, the NH. It's not the NHTSA. We've talked about them as well. So it's, it's the NHBC, isn't it? Yes. It's the one with B. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think I've got that right. Uh, but yes, it's one of those two. It's the one that deals with the accidents, not the one that implements any recommendations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's going to be something similar to that. So what they want to do, it's basically because cars are much more uh, technically or technologically fitted with computer systems and and you know again leaning back to last week when we were talking about tesla and how the dutch a dutch agency investigated and managed to sort of reverse engineer tesla software to find out what it held it's this Mm -hmm. sort of thing so there will be people dedicated in looking at the code and understanding what the cars were doing leading up to incidents and all the rest of it and it also ties in a lot with with much more uh, driver assistance and automated technology as well because when that is driving it's much harder to say what went wrong because a person isn't mm-hmm. perhaps physically controlling thing or the 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 system does something that the the person was trying not to do or whatever exactly it's not just that it's the fact it's one centralized area so right at the minute it's all the different police forces seem to do the investigation and unless i'm mistaken and uh, this way any lessons learned are Mm. all being found in the same place Mm. it sort of centralizes some of that it gives the ability to give centralized reporting as opposed to just for the different different areas where the measurements might be slightly different or the you know just the way things are recorded may be different it it brings a, a standardization uh, to that as well so even outside the realms of the clever tech stuff mm. it may well help unify some of that um i would also hope on. that any lessons learned would be fed through to the likes of uh, euro ncap or thatcham and they could adapt their testing and their scoring regime to reflect things that are being found i'm going to tell you something that's going to depend on how much people charge for it. Okay. Betcha. Betcha. That's a nasty, cynical way of thinking about it. But I bet that's what it boils down to in the end. I agree with you, by the way. Well, after the conversation we had today about some automated technology, <laughs> I really hope the testing of that to give it stars and good or bad marks is changed to reflect bit more of the reality of the inconsistencies that we are coming across yes i agree agree. anyway go through to the show notes there will be a link to the article on the uh, .gov.uk website and also in that is a link to the consultation itself so if you are particularly interested in this or have some views make sure you click through on that and do like we said last week with the it's not necessarily right to repair but the tampering (laughs) consultation (laughs) If you don't say, the government may go off in a direction that none of us want. So please do pay attention. It's like, if you don't vote, you can't complain. Yeah. Right. I think that that's pretty much the end of the first part there, Alan. 
Yes, I'd say it is. Yeah, it's Guilt Minute, of course, that quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. And once again, we find that I haven't still haven't updated this text. However, if you feel that the Motoring Podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. The different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live, which, to be honest, tonight is probably best that you don't. Uh, we also have a small range of merchandise available from our website and spring store from stickers to mugs and t-shirts if you don't have any spare cash and we completely understand then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you if you've done all of that and some of you do so thank you very much as well as thank you to people who do it in only one or two different ways then the last thing you can do is recommend us to your friends or colleagues yes thank you Alan, Andrew, do you want to open the new new car news about a car that maybe quite Alan-y in concept? But it's a little bit Alan-y. It's a little small to be Alan-y, but it's it's pretty Alan-y. Uh, so yes, Toyota last Thursday unveiled the new 2022 Toyota Igo Cross. So it's written Igo X. It's pronounced Igo Cross. So we're not to call it like the Igo 10? No. Like it was a phone or something. <laughs> I think you'll only do that once before you have the PRs knocking on the door, Andrew. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, this is a completely new car. This is not related in any way much more than the name uh, and the factory in which it's built to the previous iGo. This is a completely Toyota car, which they were at, at, at pains to point out uh, and drop into the launch presentation many times. So this is a car that is purely a Toyota. It was not related to any future Peugeot 107s, 108s, and not related to any future Citroen C1s either. It is, what is it? It's a little square, chunky car, isn't it? Mm. So it is A-segment, super mini. It sits quite high. It is based on the TN. The, the Toyota New Global Architecture B platform, so the same one as the Yaris and the Yaris Cross mm-hmm. as well. So it is it is a Yaris, but shorter. That also means it's quite wide. It also means it sits quite high by sort of sharing components with those two cars that I, I sort of mentioned just there. So that's why it's Cross. It's because it's little and chunky, and you can get it in khaki with orange accents and the canvas roof, and it looks really cool. I'm getting hints of the IQ at yes. the front. It, it has a little bit of an IQ. It's curious, because the IQ was probably meant to be a Lexus, really, rather than a Toyota, mm. curiously. It has cladding. It has many of similar uh, sort of hints to the, the, the body shell. Um. That, that shared with the previous generation, by which I mean there's practically no C-pillar. It is really door and then lights. That the glass for the rear doors doesn't drop down into the door to open. It just kind of hinges out and opens at the back. All these kind of things. Body panels can be pretty much identical between three-door and five-door. Lots of things like that. It was kind of funny. It came up on my Twitter feed. There was a picture of it with the canvas roof and the that sort of two-toneness so it's the sort of black and then the, the body color in the middle and and it, it followed a post about the citroen 2 cv and it it's kind of funny if you didn't know better you'd say that one was that one was a modern version of the other one and i mean that as a compliment uh in my <laughs> mind so yes which, but it's essentially the, the the you know it's the equivalent uh but 
No, I think it's, it's a very now car. It's it's fantastically now because it's not too big as far as an SUV goes because of the mm. because of the diminutive footprint. Therefore, it won't hack off people who are on a bit of a bender of being anti SUV. Yeah, yet it, it's the not... people who are in it will get a slightly raised seating position. It's, it's not really an SUV. It's an SUV. I, I saw a, what was it the um... The, uh, the jacked up, slightly cladded Vauxhall Viva. I saw yesterday the Viva Rocks, was it? But like the Adam Rocks. And the sort of similar in, in concept to the Polo Cross. Mm-hmm. It's a hatchback that's, that's jacked up with some cladding rather than being a genuine, real 100% uh, SUV. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's little, it's quite, it's much wider than its predecessor, obviously, because of the width of that GAB platform. It, it's just really cute and cool. Now, one of the things about it is that it's uh, it's ice only. So it's not even a hybrid. It is, mm. is an internal combustion engine, which Toyota reckons is is actually the right solution for the next little while so it's a non-electride one liter three-cylinder petrol engine producing 71 brake horsepower you can either get that with a five-speed manual gearbox or a cvt box and in theory should be capable of up to 60 miles per gallon uh, whilst putting out only 107 grams per kilometer of co2 according to this autocar article starting around about fourteen thousand pounds which is a fair step up over the previous igo uh, but the base spec of the previous Igo was essentially a hair shirt of a vehicle. <laughs> you say I'm the one who's going to get the phone calls from the PRs. I said that at the time about the in, when when I reviewed it, having driven it in Copenhagen. I said exactly the same. The basic spec Igo was so basic that you you basically you, you barely got back seats. It's really meant for fleets, okay. uh, not for private people, and for it to have a very very. Uh, attractive bottom line for use in adverts so that everyone buys one spec up from base. <laughs> it's true. Well, now, it's I, true. I, I asked whether the Igo Cross was actually a very Allen car, but I think there might, there's, there's rumours there might be a much more Allen-y version of the Igo Cross. A GR Igo Cross. Now, the, the yes, <laughs> there are mutters about that. And to be honest, the, and there's a rendering from Autocar and the Autocar uh, story linked in the show notes. Well done, Autocar. It looks ace. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, it's quite clever, actually, because what they've not done is change the, the metalwork and plastic work. They've only sort of made the cladding wider and they've put ridiculously overtired and wheeled on it and lowered it down. And it looks really, really cool. And I kind of want I love one. the registration as well. Oh yeah, Toy GRX. Yes, yes. I, uh, I, I, I like it. I think that it's a cool rendering. I hope it's real. I, I would love it to be real. I don't know if it will be. Refused to dampen the questions, though. Really? Okay. They, they, According to the article. Well, one of the things I noticed is that the project leader of the IGO Cross. The program leader of the Igo Cross has been. I mean, this the Igo Cross, by the way, is, is a Europe-only car. 
And one of the major markets for GR stuff is Japan. So there is a chance that it's not going to happen. But I do notice that the project leader for the Igo Cross has been a guest on the uh, on the motoring podcast before because it was uh, Stan Peters, who is the program leader for the Yaris GRMN. We have interviewed interviewed him uh, before. Nice chat. Mm-hmm. Yep. So do you want to talk about something that is almost completely different, but not really-ish? Yes, it is really, isn't it? Yes. I'm going to talk about the Aura Cat, which is a super mini-sized EV from a Chinese company, which is going to be launching in the UK from December. Now, they will be starting at £25,000 for a 209-mile range, 58-kilowatt per hour battery pack going up to probably around 28 grand for a 63 kilowatt per hour a battery pack which will give in the region of 261 miles full range mm-hmm. now this is a brand new well they're from the great wall uh, great wall motors yeah so you might remember great wall great wall sold an updated version of the isuzu pickup truck that was sold as absolutely everything yes yeah but this is the first of the i presume aura is the company is the brand Uh, yeah aura is the brand and cat is the is the actual model and Mm. there are well it's a very unique look and i don't mean that necessarily bad it's it's different it's a little bit porsche yeah it's a little bit nissan leaf i'm getting a a little bit mini I'm getting a bit of Suzuki Swift in there as well. There is. And inside, there's quite a chunk of Fiat 500. Mm. It's a very feminine little car. I think it looks great, by the way. But I I think it is... I don't want to sound like a chauvinistic prat, but it, I think it is. It has. Whenever they're looking at their target market, they are looking at ladies for the tar- for for the core target market. It doesn't mean it's a girl's car. I'm not saying that. So a bit like the 500. Yeah, a bit like the 500. Yeah, but but I don't I don't think it emasculates you driving it or anything. It's, it's, no, it's just cool. It's different. It's I really it, like it the, is. The, it's a bit poor. The back end yeah. is really nice. The way they've got the the very uh, strange. The lights are in the window. Yeah, the lights are in the window and hidden, and then there are other lights down at the down at the bottom in the bumper as well. Yeah, and it sort of does a cool animation as well when you start it up and things. It's there's lots of little things. There's a great Johnny Smith's done an excellent walk around video of these. I think everyone's done an excellent walk around video of these by now. But yeah, a, f- a funky little thing. Yeah, there's a sport version which is all which which looks even better by the way. The higher spec ones. It's but yeah, it's it's cute, it's clever, it's got a decent range, it's well priced. I want to see how well this does. I really hope that that these find buyers. Yes, absolutely. Because you know, the more the more options, the better. Because that will push the more traditional and sort of. I don't want to say legacy because that sounds so naff. And then I, I hate it when work. people say that. <laughs> but it's the you know the usual. Uh, manufacturers that we have already if we've got these new people who come in and offer something slightly different that consumers want and go for mm. then that, that can only be a good thing if, as far as choice goes for the rest of us i said little car by the way it is about the same size as a volkswagen id3 so it is sort of golf size ish so yeah not as small as i thought i actually thought it was a segment down 
from where it is. I thought it was B rather than C segment, but I don't care. I think it's cute. Yep. I think it's, a, it's, it's, it's clever, an interesting it's entry and hopefully the driving dynamics, because nobody's had a chance to drive a right-hand drive one yet, mm. hopefully the driving dynamics are not dreadful. Um, no, but you'd be foolish to bring something over here that was dreadful these days. Well, yeah, you'd hope Great Wall would know that by now, yeah. Well, yes, I mean, they've tried that once. Yes, yes. List of the week falls to me this week, I think, which is good because it's exactly my kind of topic. <laughs> so this week it is about the 25-year rule. Vehicles have to be 25 years old to be imported, grey market, into the U.S., so John Redfern uh, from Motoring Research has compiled a list of the most intriguing vehicles now eligible. So there are many. Some of them are predictable. Some of them are less predictable from all around the world. Andrew, do you have a particular favorite? Yes, this was quite tough. There, there, are, are, some so in the, there are some in the list that was very easy for me to skip over. There are... <laughs> There's one or two, but there are yeah. some actual crackers in here. But I think for me, particularly with the photograph and the colour it's in, the Galant VR4. Oh, I've always liked those. Yep. Always liked those. Um, gee, I guess there's enough that I can choose one too, aren't there? Yes. So the challenge with these, of course, is that as soon as they, as soon as things become twenty-five years old, the the prices go shooting up because all the Americans want to import them. So I'm going to choose. He says, clicking back and forth, I'm going to choose the Toyota Mega Cruiser. There we go. It's the Toyota's equivalent of the Hummer. Is it? Is it? Is it their own thing and not just a re? I thought it was a rebadged. No, no, no! It's their own thing. Goodness me, it's Toyota for goodness sakes. So therefore, all the problems. Are, it's like a Hummer, but without all the problems. Oh, okay. But so it's got four wheel steering, for example, so it can actually get around corners. I mean, it is still just too <laughs> wide. It's still too long, but it does actually. You can see out of it. You can actually fit people inside. Yeah, I was say, can you, can there are very people? few. <laughs> uh, it was really a military vehicle that sold about one hundred and fifty ish to the general public. And nobody really wanted them in Japan because it is such a ridiculous <laughs> thing. But it's four point fit. Yeah, but it's four litre diesel engine, four speed auto, all wheel drive, locks all the diffs. It's just silly, but it's also Toyota badged, and so everybody will think it's a Hummer, but it isn't, and it won't break. Mm-hmm. See, perfect for me. <laughs> I, I got all, I got all my my years wrong. But uh, at the time, so so it does mean that the only one of my cars I could take to the US is the one that doesn't have air conditioning, and I wouldn't want to subject to a, a, a northeast US US winter, which is the Mercedes. So it's it's not going to be st- it's going to be staying here. Mm-hmm. Sadly, others can't go. No. We want to do a lunchtime watch, which is why I've skipped it. Was because of course it doesn't actually have a page. So I've done everything out of order. Anyway, Andrew, on you go. Tell us all about the Lunchtime Watch. Yeah, the Lunchtime Watch, actually, this time, is from the Late Break Show. Now, it was held in Manchester's GMEX Centre, which is the old Manchester Central Railway Station, and I went along. He was allowed out. He wasn't allowed out of the house. Sorry, that sounds bad if I say he was allowed out of the house. He chose to leave the house. That's a different thing. Yes. So you went, and so did you have a wonderful time meeting lots of people? I did. Actually, I had a, a, a brilliant time. It was a fabulous event that was so chilled, and there was there, it was just such a a nice. It, 
It was just nice. Everything was nice. Everyone was nice. There was no air or atmosphere there at all. That was there was nothing negative at all that happened. Everyone was. It was just like everyone was oozing with positivity and just enjoying being out and with other people who liked all the sort of stuff that uh, Johnny's got on the on the channel. So, so a lot like the one in in the Leicester one, just outside yes, Market Harbour it, that it, I went to a few weeks ago, which was just the most chilled out, lovely, lovely day out. Absolutely, he's he's completely recre- managed to recreate that uh, at these events, and everyone's on board with it and has has gone along with that. Like the one that you were at, there was a really nuts eclectic mix of vehicles from uh, from the old to the new to the standard to the modified to the was never meant to be a vehicle e yes that fastest shared there was the postman pat van that made me think it was the suzuki ignis for a little while 150 miles an hour for yeah no, not a chance not a, <laughs> a drag car a, a well there was the car. wheelbarrow the powered wheelbarrow that yeah, did over a, 50 miles same, an hour that's the same guy as the shed yeah it's just like nope not getting name. on that Complete, mate Completely nuts. Completely nuts. <laughs> so it was rather cool. It was lovely. There were cool cars. What else? What t- tell us about did did you meet people? I met I'm always I met, I'm always curious whether or not Andrew's met people or not. I did. I met lots of people. I'm very grateful uh to many people for putting up with me speaking with them, to them, at them. Uh, <laughs> depending on how it was. Never says this to me. No, you you don't deserve any thanks. Um, so there was uh, I I got to I got to meet uh, at Joe Hallenbach, uh, and not only that did I get to meet him, but I got to see his fabulous Volvo, and the paint was uh, was wonderful, as at Dan amazing, Forrester will testify after spending quite a significant time stroking the paint. Um, we were allowed to, yeah, but only if he watches you. Make yeah. sure you don't do anything. Uh, I got to um, catch up with or meet for the first time, but it felt like I know I've known him. Uh, But Jim McGill, Mm -hmm. that was great, and the little Honda was just amazing. That was I wanted to pick that up and take that with me. (laughs) That was awesome. Uh, Also uh, at Pume Dale, it was great to meet uh, Dale and have a a lovely chat with him. That that was fab as well. And also uh, I got to meet uh, Mr. Porter. Uh, and say You're hello. Name dropping now. Yeah. Yes. I, well, I am. I did queue up to say hello, uh, and I felt a bit silly that I didn't have a book to be signed. But I just wanted to say hello, and I thought the only way I'm going to be able to do this is if I queue with all the people that are queuing and then go and say hello. <laughs> See, if I'd been cutting, I would have taken taken mine along to the last one, the two that were out at the time, and got him to sign both of those, especially where my name was in it. So, yeah. <laughs> but did did you mention that the Morgan CXT was there? Yes. The one oh, that so you were just you were just like oh it's so wonderful. I was watching the video. There'll be a link to it in the show notes. Yeah, uh, to Johnny's twenty minute video. I see there's an almost half hour one from Ian Seabrook from Hubnut Vids mm-hmm. as well, uh, which I haven't got around to watching yet because life. And and I got to meet yeah. Ian as well. Uh, I, I did manage to to find him and bother him as well, uh, mm-hmm. and that was lovely to catch up with Ian. Sorry. I'll do the same to him this this Saturday. You see yeah, anything. I did warn him that, by the way. Oh, okay. And he was expecting it, so it's good. okay. Good, good. <laughs> well, awesome, and well done to, to to Dave for for surviving Andrew for the day as well. Yeah, but one special thing for me 
was the the horde of chimneys. There were they a fair had, number. They of had them. quite a collection, but uh, there was a couple of them that had been modded for sort of camping to various degrees. So there's one had a roof tent, uh, and then the inside had been modified for that with coolers. I, th- I think and you'll find that's called and... that's called overlanding these. Days. Yes, well, it was de- it was that, and it it was ace. And then there was one that where the person had uh, the owner. I didn't get a chance to speak to the owner, but they they had uh, kitted it out for them to sleep inside. And again, Gosh. <laughs> once they cut their legs off, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and I just loved the the ingenuity and the clever use of space and that sort of thing. But then there was something, you know. Then you go to the other end, and there was the Actros Mercedes Actros cab, and one side climbed the three or four thousand foot to get into the cabin. What an amazing place that was, and the technology that's in there as well mm. with the cameras for mirrors, and they could. They've got that. It's got that technology where it can project what is behind that the driver couldn't see, mm. no matter what. Anyway, as well, you know, a bit like the Land Rover um, trailer yes. mode thing. It's a, it's a bit uh-huh. like that, and which is which is brilliant technology, which will help make the road safer and safer for the drivers. I didn't get a chance to to go in that. There was such a queue for it. Uh, to, for, it was a for, really for nice place. Everyone really to go nice. to go in, and I, I didn't. And I even when I was I was chatting to Jamie, he was so busy. Uh, Jamie Fretwell from from Mercedes Benz Trucks. Uh, mm. He was he was having he was basically having to to to, to basically help everyone in and show them. Uh, so so yeah, so it's very cool. I would like a, I would like to know more about that, and I will actually yeah. get around to get my finger out and doing something so that we could all learn more about that. Yeah, but then I got to see stuff that I haven't seen before, like the Alpine. And the Grenadier, uh, and things like that, and they were. They, it was great to just get near those and have a look uh, mm-hmm. at those because I, I haven't seen them before. But the EVs that were there, they were just mobbed all day. So they had the uh, Kia Six, the uh, Ionic Five, and the, the Skoda Enyaq, and they were mobbed all day. They're just interesting cars. I, I... People were in and out, having a poke, having a look, and yeah. I know there's loads of people who go, oh, it's an EV, it's a washing machine. But those those three in particular, as well as others, like the Aura Cat that we just talked about, these are interesting cars. Oh, and the 500. They have their place. The 500 EV. Oh, the 500 there. is lovely, though. It's yes. such a cool People car. People are in and lovely out that thing. a lot as well. Lovely thing to drive. And it's it's different. The finish is different from a normal 500. Mm-hmm. And there's all the little bits, all the little in all the little cubbies. The, ah, the detail on the 500E is really cool, by the way. Yeah. Just sorry, I'm a huge fan. Can you tell? Yeah, and then there was all the modded stuff and people, the cars that people have brought along. It was such a, it was, it was all just brilliant. I didn't even get to the car park, the showcase didn't car you? park. Oh, there was I didn't loads even of get stuff to down that. there. Uh, yeah, and I saw, I saw on the video towards the end, uh, there was the sort of stuff down there. And I was like, oh god, I didn't even get to that. But by the time we left, we were there for just after half night, so just after it opened. And then we we left in the afternoon. Um, what time was it? I think it was something like quarter past four, half past four. Yeah. So we were yeah. virtually there the entire day, and we we hadn't even got down there. And it didn't and feel like we were looking at the same stuff over and over again either. We were just, no, there was just the, so much there. People are interesting. The stuff that happens on stage is interesting. It's just really cool. If you do get the chance, folks, next year, next time there is one, yeah, then do try and get along. It, it's you might look at the prices of the tickets and go how much but you know what it's worth every penny and it's they're just they're really good really it was good. like car twitter in, in real, real life, life yep. because 
no one judged anyone for whatever they they were into why they were into it we just everyone just enjoyed and it, you know even if it was something that you know I wasn't particularly into there's stuff there that obviously I won't be because it, you know everyone has a different thing but at no point was anybody sort of going oh well you like them do you Ugh. there was nothing like that at all everyone was just enjoying it and it and it, there was there was families there and all sorts of stuff as well though some of the some of the music was perhaps a little bit strong for some of the younger children <laughs> yes. that hopefully didn't listen to the lyrics. Oopsie. <laughs> but it was it was just a brilliant event, and if you get the opportunity next year, go. Just go. And if you want more of a flavour, there'll be a link to the Late Break Show video, sort of Johnny's dash round tour. You see just how little he, he gets to see and talk about in 20 minutes, really. Yes. And and many of the other creators who were there who've who've done videos as well. Yep. Brilliant stuff. Great day out. Totally, totally recommended. Mm-hmm. And finally this week, yes, a rally spec. Datsun 240Z. Uh, Fast and Furious star Sun Kang had built his tribute to the East African Safari Rally, which would be exhibited at SEMA, which is on at the moment in Las Vegas. It is possibly the least motoring podcast car show ever. Uh, but it's but some on of them minute. are quite cool, though. Have you, have you seen cool. some of the pics? Have you seen the V8 Tesla? Mm. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> there is a Hemi-powered Tesla. Uh, there are loads of stuff. I will actually get to watching a couple of YouTubes about that uh, soon because actually I really like that stuff. But I think it, it should be should be genius. Nissan supposedly mocked up a Rally Spec Duke. Uh, yeah, I'm sure well, we, t- we a, talked about it. I've seen Rally Spec Dukes before in real life at the Nissan factory in Sunderland. That was long enough ago that I think I can say it. So that doesn't surprise me much. But the Doc Z project, as I said, 240Z, inspired by the 1971 rally with uh, branded tires, all the louvers, roof rack, wheel on the top. Really cool. Uh, Really, really awesome. Um, Yep. So, yeah, great stuff. Uh, There'll be a link to the Top Gear little short article on on that. I love the stacked exhaust pipes, by the way. Yes. Yes. Uh, on one side, really cool. Uh, anything else we've missed, Andrew? There will be, for Parish Notes, there will be a special edition out this Friday. Yes. <laughs> That'll be good. Don't miss yes. it, folks. Uh, so, yes, special edition out on Friday. Uh, Zoom Zoom was last week. That's about it, I think. Yep. Covered all the bases. Oh, uh, the only other thing is... If anybody's oh. at the NEC this weekend. Yes, that was what I've just remembered as well. Yes, so if anybody is at the uh, the NEC Classic uh, Motor Show this weekend, I'll be there uh, definitely Saturday, possibly Sunday, depending on how tired I am, because I'm going out for dinner on, the, on Saturday evening afterwards, possibly Sunday, but I'll definitely be there on Saturday. So if you do see me wandering around like a little lost puppy or something, then, then do uh, do come and say hello, and don't forget to say who you are uh, when you come up to me, because otherwise I'll be just be very polite but not have a clue. That rounded up for this week, but don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts for the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Uh, remember, you can support us financially via Patreon, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? 
Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to pester you more about the iGo Cross and ask why it possibly isn't the perfect car for you until they get it in GR form, what's the best way for them to do that personally? Well, it's not called a Yaris, so how could it possibly be the perfect car for me? Um, So, so yes. Uh, Other than that, to get in touch with me, it's best to use Twitter, where I'm at A-J-P Bradley. That's B-I-A-D-L-E-Y. Uh, We'll be back soon. Until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.